to figure out which one is media. This one is too zoomed in. <laughs> Everything is fine. I think this is right. There we go. Okay. Uh, that is too much. We have to zoom in a bit. Uh, maybe go full screen. There we go. We're full screen. Okie dokie. All right. And the show officially starts now. No, oh, I get to say it. All right, here we go. I think right about now. Yo. 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 Oh, yo. Oh, yo. Oh, motherfucking asshole. Oh, yo. Yo, 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 yo. You better eat those ho-hos. Oh, no. Check, 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 check. Sup, suck my dick and eat my eyebrows. You are somebody who is a frau. That is a German word for woman, and that means you voted for Hitler. You remember when we had like a brief, like fake face off beef with uh, that, that dude from morning radio in san francisco oh elvis and by the way brian jumping back in uh i saw somebody i saw somebody point out like brian looks a little bit sauced uh yeah that's because this was the day after bryce quit and we didn't know why he quit and so we recorded one episode uh and then we went and had like three beers and came back and recorded two more episodes. So if I look sleepy, tired, confused, and upset, it's probably because, yes, that's exactly what was going on. So anyway, uh, uh, please forgive the even sloppier Brian than your, your normal Brian. Here we go. Oh, something, right? JD and Elvis? You're close. Do you remember it? I do. You know why? Well, one of them's dead. Yeah. Yeah. They split up though. They they they, they split up like very shortly after um or sorry, before we got into the fight with them. They they had they had also, split up. It was yeah. never a real fight. It was just like a like, like, I remember asking permission from my boss, like, Jim Lauderback, you brought in JB, and he was shitting on what he called nerds. Uh, I don't think that's a very good way to behave to an audience you're trying to court. Because he was uh, on Revision 3. Yes. And, and, and I was like, uh, we're going to talk about him tonight. You remember, I, I, I don't know if you remember but I think know. this is another situation because we're recording this right after the last episode where uh, uh, Justin was a barking dog who may have said things beyond what Brian would have otherwise said. But I remember this being another situation where I was saying some shit that wound up getting his attention. And then he started tweeting about it and watching us because I was maybe a little bit more aggressive uh, uh, than you would have otherwise been. It does kind of change things when that dude committed suicide. I mean, not immediately. Well, okay. 
At what point does it change things? Well, I mean, it would have changed more things. It would have changed more things if we committed suicide what? immediately after what? we had like gotten into a fight with him. But it was like 10 years after. At what point are we absolved from having a fight with him? Like, like when is he allowed to commit suicide that we don't have any fucking uh, uh, guilt? Well, let's ask the more important question that is not personal <laughs> to us. Um, let's talk about mental health and people jumping off bridges <laughs> because it sounds like he jumped off a bridge. He did. I, I, I did not read the details on he, that. He, he was found in the Bay. Uh, here, let me see. He jumped off the golden gate bridge. Yeah. The Bay bridge. Well, uh, uh, they, they, they have, they have a pedestrian walkway on the Bay bridge now. So it might've been the Bay bridge. So I'm running down JB suicide. JB and Elvis. <laughs> okay, got to it. Right, again, again, end of a long day, lot of confusion going on. Yes, we are both sloppy. Brian, maybe a little bit more than Justin. It's <laughs> just FYI. Right. That was the that was the show. And I know JB and Elvis because I believe they took over. Also was JV. For um, Opie and Anthony, or Ron and Fez, one of the two, on New York radio after they went off. And so that was what was crazy about it, what was that he was coming on to Revision 3, I think, after... JV. JV. JV and Elvis. Not, not JB. Not JD, not JB. JV. Um, but he was coming, he was doing a show on Revision 3... Uh, right after God damn it I keep forgetting to press the button whoa 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 breaking news <laughs> joining us live over the phone Justin Robert Young <laughs> uh, uh, hey buddy what's up hey this is great I'm watching the and you talk on mute. Oh, Brett's there. Hi, hey. Brett. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're all learning how to do the things. <laughs> and thankfully, uh, T2 got so annoyed, he was just like, do you just want the right file? Because <laughs> here's, an, here's the, the attachment. Uh, well, I have no even idea what that is. But but I, I have you talked about the thing? Um. Or are we going to do this? Are we going to talk about the thing? Well, it's live on Patreon now. Oh, God damn it. I, I, like, I, I had just barely gotten to the part where I was playing the banked episode, and now we're interrupting the banked episode, which is fine. Um, do we want to talk about the thing? I mean, I'm only not talking about the thing because I deferred to you. So you... Are, you're leading the dance. I, I was told that midnight was going to be the thing, and I was waiting for the big announcement midnight, after... Midnight is when it's free, but now, if oh. we want to drum up people to pay us money on Patreon... Okay. Uh, 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 you know what? This episode of Great Night brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Patreon for yeah, World's no, Greatest no, Con. don't do that. No, don't say it's brought to you. No, that's a bad idea. <laughs> the Great Night Patreon 
is cared for lovingly, so much so that I wrote in my marriage to do a fucking episode from Zagreb when I was on vacation. That's how much we love the uh, 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 Great Night Patreon. But this Patreon is the world's greatest con Patreon because, Brian, what have we been doing toiling in secret for these oh last few months? I, 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 everything, okay, our banked episode... Is going to be so maybe maybe the banked episode should just be the bones uh, as of now. No, 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 no. I'm going to hang up and then you guys are going to go back to playing this. But but uh, uh, also, I just want to be done working for, on my vacation. So, OK, I, I OK, just, OK, I just okay. want to be done. Um, release me. Uh, OK, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, <laughs> ladies and gents, clear out the vents. Which <laughs> which blow a ventriloquist. That's correct. Yes. That's correct. Um, uh, World's Greatest Con, Season 4, Episode 1, uh, is uh, apparently out uh, five hours earlier than I expected. Um, for, patrons, for patrons only. For, for patrons only. For patrons only. Um, Ad free. Hey, Justin. Yeah. I will not say the response, but but could you remind me of what Piff's prayer is? Piff's prayer is, please, Lord, may I never know what Teller really thinks of me. Uh, of my act, specifically. Eh, come on, we're talking about artists here. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, I, I, I told you about a response that I received at uh, about 1.30 a.m. last night yeah. uh, in which Teller spoke, uh, without saying what he said, he, he reacted in a way that I've never seen him react to anything. This is Teller is a very um, mannered uh, person. He is a man of class and elegance. He is somebody for whom sees uh, so many dimensions of art and performance and passion uh, that usually you get a very, very nuanced and mannered take from Teller. Would that be your experience? Because you've talked to him a lot more than I have. That 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 would. And um, I, I don't know what he will say after listening to episode one of season four of World's Greatest Con, which is out early because you've been working during your vacation because it's such an incredibly good episode and because everybody needs something to listen to as they go to their Thanksgiving meals. Which, which, which is our gift. This is our gift to everybody. Uh, 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 you guys all got shit to do tomorrow. Y'all got drives to make or you got things to cook. You need about two and a half hours killed. And so a two-part episode of World's Greatest Con, the first time that we've done two different stories in a year, uh, uh, it is here for you, and uh, you can get it now on Patreon ad-free. They will have ads. That's going to go live at midnight tonight. But, Brian, I really desperately want for you to tell them what the fucking story is because it's a really good story. Okay. Uh, I may have had an epiphanal, an incredible moment because I listened yeah. to it just one more time, knowing that it was out of my hands and it was done. And I realized how much, how much it matters to me that 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 you, man, whatever. It's fucking great. Look, it's um, uh, <laughs> the world's greatest con is Epcot. <laughs> it's Epcot. Yeah. 
the experimental God. prototype city of tomorrow. Uh, for some reason, there's a roller coaster park that is that at one point had literal governmental rights to deal with enriched uranium and also sell funnel cakes and goofy plushies. Uh, it's uh, by a, the way, by the way, uh, uh, up until about a year ago, you might have heard of it. <laughs> it. It was a big, a big thing in the news. We do not deal with that. What we mostly deal with is the dream of Epcot, and more specifically to our show for World's Greatest Con, it is the actual scheme to make Epcot a reality, which uh, required a lot of subterfuge, a lot of skullduggery. A lot of people uh, maybe getting shortchanged uh, uh, for 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 uh, hard work, sniffing around, and and at the uh, at, at at the end of all of it is a mustachioid, creative powerhouse, smoking like a goddamn chimney, old Walt Disney. Uh, and on top of that, uh, uh look, uh. We're, we're very, very proud of it. I don't know how many details we should give away, but, uh, but boy, it really is. Um, if when we say, look, we're aware this is going to be a weapon for both team red and team blue. They're both going to hurl it at each other. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, look, uh, whatever. If anybody reads politics into it, then that's their own extracurricular shit. Like, uh, trust me, dude, I've listened to these fucking episodes a million times. If you want to read a political bent into it, then congratulations. Like, like you, you can read a political bent into, into into anything, which is probably how we got into the situation with Disney in the first place, at least in terms of the stuff that, that people are mad about them for. This is about Walt. Like, so, so it is political, but the politics are Walt hates communists and wants to build a perfect city that proves that American exceptionalism is better than communism by making himself the all-powerful authoritarian who will uh, lead American capitalism to supremacy. It is a political story, but it is in no way rooted in 2021 or whenever Cor all the shit went Cor down. Uh, Cor uh, correct. As a matter of fact, when I re-listened to it just now, my favorite line was we we get into like listening to it and I describe it. I'm like, if this sounds like uh, you know, we talk about how much he hates communism and how he hates unions and all that stuff and how he wants, you know, pro-American ideas to defeat communism. And then he goes on to pitch uh, uh, Epcot and I describe it. I'm like, if this sounds like a commune, it's because it's a commune. <laughs> like it's literally a commune. Uh, it's, it's, fantastic it's and, and incredible yeah, let, let, let's yeah let's make it clear for everybody epcot that we know today is not it is in in most ways a perversion a disgusting perversion of what walt wanted what walt wanted if you're not familiar with it treat yourself to to these stories it is something truly spectacular and and uh, uh yeah i don't know it was just so fucking great uh, 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 telling a story with Walt Disney at the center of it because that motherfucker, oh my god! Like, like I, I'm, I, I'm shocked that we have not had more and better stories about that, like guy because he's a fucking character and a half. And and I think Brian, you do a great job telling it. Brian's Walt Disney impression is really the star of both episodes. <laughs> uh, 
just go. Uh, 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 if, if you're a patron, it's available now. After you're done with the stream, go listen to it uh, uh, or save it. I, I, again, this is we, we literally from the very moment that we wanted to do this, design these episodes to be just time to burn when you're in the car or you're cooking tomorrow. This was always the plan to launch it on uh, uh, the day before Thanksgiving and for all the the holiday travel. So this this is our our, our gift to Diamond Club, uh, uh, our gift to to everybody. There's only a few things that would make me fucking work on on vacation and be feverishly peppering Brian for four fucking words that I needed from him over and over again. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, uh, it, it's our love letter to you guys. Uh, yeah, no, uh, this shit is tight. It's so good. I, I can't stop re-listening to it. Um, uh, are, are both episodes out or just, just the first one or, uh, for patrons, both episodes are out and both episodes are going to be out, uh, for free tonight at midnight. Holy shit. Well, now I got to listen to both of them. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Um, uh okay so um uh, uh, uh real quick can can uh, 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 uh I still have to play everyone's ju- just going to be sitting here bored for the, for the rest of this banked episode we're we're clearly like like four beers deep in at the end of the day on a day where we don't know why Bryce left uh <laughs> I mean, no, the banked episode is great. The episode is, I was watching it. It was a good episode. I just wanted to, I just wanted to post this and and then talk to you about it. Okay, all right. Look, uh, I, I'm I'm gonna not chime in on the by the banked episode. Uh, listen, uh, for the rest of this, I'm uh, both uh, certainly I'm gonna be sloppy and sad because I was both sloppy and sad. Justin will be less sloppy and sad, but we're gonna play the no, banked Justin episode. Justin will be sloppy. No, I mean like the, the reality of that of that of that uh, uh, day was that uh, I was hoping. To get, <laughs> like we can say it now, I was hoping to get some world's greatest con shit done that day too. Uh, uh, we did not. What we did instead was drink a lot and uh, uh, think about what the show was going to be because we we had to. Uh, I did not have that penciled in on my calendar. Uh, uh, <laughs> spend, spend Saturday uh, thinking about what the show was going to be. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, so, so that was, but what you are hearing now, if this is chronologically the last one that we recorded, I, I believe it is that this was one, it, 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 began, you, it, it began with talking about the dude who jumped off a bridge and us JV asking, and Elvis, yeah. yes, <laughs> no, I, I, that's what I came into when I tuned into it. So what you need to understand behind the scenes is that Brian didn't want to record this episode and I had to strong arm him <laughs> into doing it because I just knew that if we didn't fucking record the episode, then we wouldn't have an episode for literally tonight. Tonight is why I, I strong armed Brian two weeks ago to record this hour of content. I have no idea what we talked about because i remember what we did in the first one i remember what we did in the second one i have no idea what happens here uh, all you... i know is that after this we went out to the fire and danced around it like uh, uh fucking pagans uh, uh, wild <laughs> pagans uh yeah uh okay well um 
yes, go and subscribe to the Patreon for World's Greatest Con. Yes, listen to it. But maybe maybe hang around to watch us be super sloppy and weird <laughs> in this bank yes. episode. It's a bank episode. Don't worry, we're back live. Uh, uh, next Tuesday, uh, I will be back in studio. I, I just landed from fucking Frankfurt, Germany, like 30 minutes ago. But I'm back in America, baby. And uh, uh, here we go. I, I, I love it. I love Brett. I love Brian. I love Diamond Club. Uh, 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 World's Greatest Cod. Two-part episode. Epcot. Bye. Okay. All right, bye. Uh, 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 and I'll tell you what, just to keep you guys around, after the banked episode, I'll play a bit of the opening and we could talk about it. Does that sound good, Brett? Sure. Okay, all right. Anyway, back to the banked episode <laughs> where we're clearly sloppy on a Saturday afternoon after three hours. All that had happened. And that was the funniest part about it is that he was... The funniest part about it. The funniest part about of it. Of all the funny things our, about our this. Our conflict. Like, come on. All right, Jesus. All right. The funniest part about our conflict was I remember talking more shit about him. And then he starts live tweeting about our show. And so we know he's watching. And then this is, because I remember his catchphrases. This is BB Live Show days, right? Yeah. This oh is like stick ham, right? Uh, because I remembered his catchphrases, which was doghouse what, he, uh, uh, I started doing his catchphrases. And then I remember wherever he was like, like live tweeting, he's like, okay, the brown hair guy is funny. <laughs> but he was mostly upset with you because again, I'm realizing this is a recurring bit. Uh, I say some shit. That gets attributed to you. <laughs> I'm I'm really happy that we've reached this moment where you figured that out. How was I supposed to know? How was I supposed to know that I would say some shit that would be attributed to you? We're just uh, doing a show. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, uh, so, uh, oh God, I really hope we're recording everything. Um, so, uh, for those who don't know. In the very early days of Revision 3, it was sort of a, a catch-as-catch-can situation where it's like, uh, let's see who we could get for what, right? And and uh, I was very lucky to get scooped up in that bucket. Um, uh, also, along with that, was morning drive-time radio host, JV, uh, who... You, you, you'd been doing... Scam school for a couple of years at that point, though, right? Like maybe maybe six months. This this was pre NSFW, and I do I do remember it was pre NSFW because I remember I was in. Not only was I in the Margate uh, warehouse, but I was in the second thing, and I can't remember whether or not where where I don't know. I mean, this is I'm getting into. Some something that only I care about about where I was in the Margate warehouse, but like, uh, I do remember the adrenaline of that moment because me and my friend Harry Turjanian, who is a great stand-up comic in New York now, uh, go check him out. But 
we were both fans of Ron and Fez and Opie and Anthony. He actually worked for both of those uh, uh, shows for a little bit and were just into talk radio. And this, he, this, this is peak like XM serious radio satellite stuff. This was the beginning of that. Yeah. Like they had gotten Opie and Anthony had gotten kicked off of uh radio i believe regular terrestrial radio for uh their sex in saint uh, uh patrick's cathedral stunt uh and then they had gone on xm because that was the refuge of uncensored Okay, look, I don't want to make this go even longer, but I'm just saying, like, start. Just please play all of this at two x speed. I, I, I can't explain enough how confusing this day was and how late it was in the day. Radio, and then Ron and Fez went there, and then everything collapsed so much. Howard Stern leaves for. Uh, uh, serious, and so now all of a sudden, Opie and Anthony and Rana Fez are both doing shows on terrestrial radio that they had gotten kicked off of, but also on satellite radio as well because you know they were able to make that deal work. And uh, JV and Elvis wound up following them, and so that's that's how I I, I knew of their show and I, I remember the adrenaline of like oh this world that's like untouchable it's it's this thing like, that i followed for a long oh, time as a fan oh shit now we're kind of, of sudden, touching it right now oh my god yeah. yeah uh uh and he had come out with such an aggressive posture you were offended by it and i think what i'm realizing now is that what happens especially then and probably even to this to a certain point now we have conversations behind the scenes. You express a certain level of emotion to me. I'm like, yup, let's fucking go. And then you have a more measured public <laughs> approach. Yes. And, I, because and I'm like, hey, suck my dick, you fucking piece of shit. You want to talk shit like that? You can suck my ass. Yep. Isn't that right, Brian? And you're like, I guess. And another thing. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm actually really glad that you remember it the way I remember it because, like, uh, like I, I, I'm not in the business of fucking up my own thing, but I do find it fascinating that somebody is courting a a a, a podcast nerd audience, but also calling them nerds on his dominant platform. And I, I bring that up, right? And, and, and you know, in, in the early days, uh, BB Live Show, it would be you and me, and I would, you know, put out the 1-800 number. Yeah. And uh, people would call in, which, by the way, part of me really wants to go back to. Bring him back, that old New York rap. <laughs> uh, and uh, 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 a bunch of his fans were calling to... Uh, be playful with your but, 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 but you want to know what I also in that moment and even now putting myself back in that that perspective I knew like that's actually a love language like in the world of you know shock jock radio you want 
the show that you are going back and like that's nothing but money for everyone right is like he says nerds we say air quotes at war with each other exactly we say i I, I don't know fucking maybe uh you're on our turf now suck my dick huh how about that yeah like and then he's like oh okay and so it's like when he came back i was like very excited that like this was this was a thing and then it wound up getting resolved and 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 that was that because like ultimately the internet is not shock shock radio the internet is its own weirder passive aggressive drama uh it is not confrontational in the way that radio is and and so it wound up getting resolved and also we, we ultimately don't really like fighting we like having fun with people yeah um which which Brings us to, you know, the more recent news of a body of JV found and all that stuff. And it's like, uh, uh, for me, by the way, speaking as somebody who lost his brother Mm -hmm. to addiction, blah, blah, blah. It's like math equals simple. Are they younger than 55? Uh, Did they not shout the word cancer? If then equals... Somewhere between drug addiction and depression. They jumped off a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that usually it's those two things that are, that are at the heart of uh, either some level of dependency or some level of depression. Which which I think is part of why I I can't speak for you yet, but uh, uh, on my end, uh, man, oh man. Do I just want to make amends with everybody? Do I just want to keep all of my promises? And do I just want to treat everyone really, really well? Oh, no. I want to abuse most people. Yeah. I want to just run roughshod over them. I I want to subjugate them. I want to break their will. Yeah. I want to hear the lamentations of their women. Must be nice. Like, no, like, obviously, part, yeah, part of, of me fucking wishes I could be that person. No, obviously, like I, I, you know, the older you get, the more you realize that the world is a cycle of events that you've seen before. And for me, it happened in my mid thirties, where you get the first whiff of like. Oh, these are reruns. Yeah. These pop culture trends are the same. These, you know, uh, 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 these drama that you hear with your friends. I've seen all these before. I know Let what people me guess. are mad about. Blank, 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 most obvious thing. And every once in a yeah. while, there's something that surprises you. There's something that you're not right about. And that keeps you on your toes. It, it makes you understand that you're fallible. So you always have to ask the questions. And you're not just sitting back and being an old curmudgeon but you you understand enough of society to know that hey there are behaviors there are patterns that are good and bad and and for me that 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 has affected my life it 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 has affected my uh, uh perspective on things in fact to get back to what we have talked to a few times where i have had very little uh, uh, membrane in the past of quote unquote saying the thing into a microphone 
I have more of that now because I understand that whether or not I, in my mind at the time, am right, and I will even say now, like, let's go back to what we talked about in, in our last episode about, or maybe two episodes, I don't know when we're going to release these, but like, uh, twit, when I said twit doesn't care about content creators, in my mind, if I go back and do the math on, on that, I'm still secure with my math <laughs> on, on why I said what I said. What I regret now is there are things that need to be kept behind the scenes. There are things that do not, my life was not better because I said that. Am I confident because like I, 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 was, I was morally right? That my life was not better for you having said that. For the record, the DM I got did not say, you say I don't care about content creators. It said, you, you guys. think you're banned? Uh, 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 well, now you're banned. And I said nothing about anything being banned. That was, that was straight from okay. the lips of uh, one Brian Rushwood. Hey, who knows? <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody remembers who said what. All I know is I really look forward to an opportunity to go to Petaluma and be friends with friends again. Uh, just saying. Before we get too fucking bullish on on me, I'm, I feel like I'm eating a lot of shit here uh, on being the yapping bulldog that gonna, you have to I was going to jellyfish away right now. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Um, uh, but 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 like the, the biggest thing that I've learned is that discretion is the better part of valor. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can deal with behind the scenes and in person that makes your life better. And if you don't do that, you often pay for it. And I do think that that is a value in our internet world for which I treasure and I love, and I will always defend internet culture. I will always, always, always stand up for it. In fact, I'm about to go to this British thing. And the last time I was there, uh, there was this breakout thing. About last time you were there was before Palestine invaded Israel. Let's all right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I, I was, I was at a breakout meeting a year ago about the internet and journalism. And everybody's shitting on it. We're going around. This is like a meeting of the minds. Everyone's like, oh, fucking, and this problem, and this problem, and this problem. And I'm like, I'm here to say it's the greatest thing that ever happened to all of it. Uh, uh, it democratizes information. It gave me a career. I wouldn't fucking be here. I wouldn't be anybody if it weren't for the internet. I made my fucking living on the internet. I made my... My, I, I make my, my money, I, my reputation all on the internet. It's fucking great. That being said, I do think that it has influenced society to a certain level where it has de-emphasized the need for direct communication. And you see that with phone calls and you see that with shit where like, and I was a victim of it. I succumbed to it. I decided to say some shit on a public forum that I should have said to somebody's face. I should have had the balls to go to the people and say, Hey, look, in this case, me and twit, I should have had the balls to say, Hey, I would love if you paid me a host salary. 
I would love if you treated Tom better. I would love if blah 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 blah. Right. And none of these they don't they don't owe me shit. Right. In response, but but me saying it relieves my desire to say it somewhere else. Right. And and whether that's on a small scale gossiping about people behind their back or it's on a large scale just direct communication is something that i i feel like we have more ways to do things and we have evolved justifications to say them as opposed to just being direct going to somebody having an awkward conversation i'm in favor of awkward conversations well and that is a superpower that you have that some people might be a wee bit jealous of because uh, now that we're coming out of the apocalypse, like quite frankly, uh, uh, the world belongs to extroverts and, and it's yes. unfair, but also I'm almost certain that's true. The world and, 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 and belongs we were, to we were, extroverts. We were in a weird, you know, harvest moon where it belonged to introverts for about two years. Well, in, in, in more ways than one, number one, uh, introverts were able to justify never leaving the house. Number two, when they did leave the house, they were able to hide most of their faces, which, uh, 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 uh subverted a bunch of social cues and all that stuff. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. But now extroverts rule again. We're back on our throne. But I don't know that that's fair or good or any of that. You know? Um, I mean, I, I know I like it more. I mean, okay, you and I both like it more. Yeah. Uh, because, like, uh, uh, as as we saw with the uh, the whole <laughs> the whole, like, you have one job, Brian, and that's to go give a sweet 16 to your daughter, Josie. Good luck. And it's like, I, I, it was nothing but extroversion the entire way. Like, hello, shake hands. Yeah. I am here to provide pro exceptional 16th birthday for daughter and, and on and on. Noted extrovert behavior. Give or take. <laughs> This being, hey, if, 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 then, then that. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 that's kind of how uh, the whole American West was founded, though. Hell it, yeah. It, it, it's like you would get a bunch of acreage, uh, you would make a pie, and then you would walk six miles over, and you would knock on the door, and then you would do that exaggerated, hilarious handshake. Hello, friend. I am your friend. I live next door. Someday I may be under attack. Here's a pie. Please yeah. remember this if I ever scream for help. Yeah. If 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 the Comanches come for me, right. then uh uh please uh bring pistols. Yeah. So good good thing or bad thing that we're going back to that. I I mean I mean, no, not I, I, not I, for I, you and me, because we know it's a good thing for you and me. Well, I mean, what what I find frustrating at times is that shit that can't be resolved, or shit that can be resolved in two seconds, turns into either festering bullshit or sub 
text or 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 whatever and that's like it's 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 frustrating actually when... can, can can i throw you something yeah uh so uh, uh uh a lot of reshuffling happening in our organization obviously uh what uh, obviously i i uh one one of the folks sends me a hey we had talked about some amount of money for this yeah uh and then i respond hey reality be like this and he responded with i'm just gonna assume both of us had had a couple of glasses of wine and started watching seinfeld or some shit and i was like fuck this is this is how everything goes wrong and sideways is uh and, and i assumptions assumptions i immediately responded with uh what is the earliest time you and i can talk talk on the phone just speak because and and uh, of course uh within like five minutes it was like hey you're cool right yeah i'm cool are you cool yeah i'm cool too we're both cool uh, uh, uh thing we're trying to express not the real thing that's right not the real thing let's just fix the real, the real thing. thing yeah yeah the most important lesson that i ever got in college happened on my first day of com 101 and i forget the teacher uh but they that's are great how powerful it was uh uh anyway uh <laughs> They took us out of the classroom and they said, and I forget whether or not they gave us the awkward question or we had to come up with the awkward question, but they sent us into the like main, you know, a uh, 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 dining hall, the shine area where like you could get us a sabaro and a coffee and everything. They said, walk up to a stranger and ask them an awkward question. Just have a conversation. Have a conversation with a stranger that ends with an awkward conversation. Because what you need to do is break down that element of your brain that says you shouldn't talk to a stranger. That says that you shouldn't approach somebody and just start talking to them. That says that you shouldn't ask them that awkward question. You need to make that less of your life because it, it is a necessity in the world of reporting. You need to walk up to somebody that's like, if you can't walk up to some random person and be like, hey, what's up? What's your name? Uh, uh, when's your birthday? Where'd you grow up? What, kind of, what color underwear do you have on? Like, if you can't ask them that right there, then you have no shot to ask a hysterical mother whose son just got shot on the street. And if you're a crime reporter, that's your fucking job. Right. Like you need to do that. That's that's what that's why you are getting paid. And I do think that there's an element like I would love for that to be taught in like elementary school, <laughs> like high school. But, and, and, like, and, and, and not taught in the form of can you memorize this list of openers, but taught in the way of a field trip at the Dairy Queen. Uh go uh, talk to somebody. Who can figure out how to get somebody to talk about their mother yes or whatever just some version of 
we live in a very, very intelligent society. And I do think that this is rooted in the idea that we are smarter than we've ever been. But one of the bane of smart people is that they run too many simulations of what's going to happen. And the more simulations the run that, that you run, the more nightmares can happen. And as soon as you start counter-programming for the nightmares, that's where you fuck up. You almost always fuck up. That's when, when you do something that you're like, what the fuck was that? In my opinion, and I know this because I've done it. <laughs> I know this because I've watched other people do it. I've watched friends do it. And I know exactly what their thinking has been. And I'm like, the fuck was that? And they're like, well, I was just assuming that blah, blah, blah. And then this and then that. And so I decided I was going to do this. Our friend who's been on the show, Rachel, the queen of this, the fucking queen. Like she'll do something that is bonkers. Absolutely baby Billy's Bible bonkers, right? And I'll be like, what the fuck were you thinking? And then she'll give me the readout of uh, 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 like a, a, a every piece of uh, uh, mathematical uh, information. Mathematical of, information. Like, 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 well, if you look at X plus Y, then obviously that led yeah. her to putting dynamite in her mouth and lighting the fuse. Right. And it's like, because clearly the only thing I should do is put dynamite in my mouth and act like I was Bugs Bunny while I was lighting the fuse. And it's like, fucking come on. Like, you know, like, like this is stupid. You should have just stopped thinking, start talking. That's it. Like, we, so we, we, let, we need let, more recklessness in society. Let's talk about, because one, one of the gifts that I think you've really, truly given me is encouraging, apologizing as soon as possible and being spe uh, specific and like, uh, whoops, I said blank. You took it like blank. That comes from the fact that I was born of blank. Whoops. I love you. I hope everything's Apologies. okay. Yes. Um, you galvanized that for me. Where did you get it from? I think... I got it from being terrified that people wouldn't know my heart. And if they don't know my heart, then they're going to assume the worst. And I would much rather be an asshole because of shit I know I said and not an asshole because of shit people thought I said. And that's something that I, I'm constantly terrified of. I'm terrified of to this day that people assume certain things in me and, uh, you know, not to go back to the twit thing, but like that, that is the element of it. Everything else I can live with. I can live with getting drunk. I can live with saying some shit. I can live with the fact that it was a highly charged uh, situation where we had a propaganda arm that nobody was connected to that was trying to fucking agitate everything. 
I can live with all of it. The one thing that fucking burns me is people think that I made a misogynistic comment about Lisa Laporte. Uh, because I have wonderful news for you. Nobody thinks it's what it was you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, because that, uh, that they the all thing. think it's oh, me. Oh, shit. You want to know what? Because that was, he hit you up for the shit that I said. Oh, yeah. And he hit me up for the shit that you said. You know what? It would be really Let's great. Let's call the whole thing off. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we could just, just give each other back rubs and be done with it? <laughs> but but that was that was the thing. Was uh, 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 what what burns me is that like I'll, I'll eat all of it. I am I am very very willing to fucking take on every element of my own flaws, and I want to fucking admit to them, but. Never in my life would I slam a woman, especially a woman in power that I know gets extra criticism uh, on a gendered line. Like that would just, not, it's not in my fucking DNA to do it. And the fact that they're- It's, it's, it's too trite. It's too, easy, uh, whatever. It's, it's too trite. It's too retro. Uh, beyond beyond uh, that, it's just, it's- and not to be like, oh, look at me, feminist bona fides. But like, I was raised by a single mom. Like, I, this is just something that I've, I've, I've lived with. I know, I, I know very, very intimately that there's a lot of just, you know, a passive bullshit static that exists for women that that reach above a certain station, and that's like a, a part of my DNA. And so, I. I am terrified always, and that's an example of it, that people will assume a certain thing. And so I'd rather be more direct and say, hey, are you fucking pissed at me? I'll own up to what I'm, what I, what I, what's in my heart. Because that sounds like a concrete thing that we can work with right now. I mean, just, just yeah. know that. What I tell you is what I mean. And I'm going to tell you ugly shit. I'm going to tell you I'm jealous. I'm going to tell you that I'm frustrated. I'm going to tell you that I'm drunk. I'm going to tell you that there are failings. I am not a, 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 not only am I not a perfect person, sometimes I'm not a good person. But, uh, and I'm certainly never like at my best. But <laughs> if, I, if I can at least be honest, then you'll at least know we'll, we'll be on the same page on, on where you think of my reputation. And, and that's something that that's where that comes from. Can, can we talk about, uh, I, not everybody in my life has a gut instinct to immediately blurt out the truth at all times, but you are one of them. I am one of them. I think Andrew Maine is one of them. Yes. Uh, we have a type. We have a type. Where, where do you think that comes from? And do, like, like, do you remember a time that, that, that you decided, well, I'm just going to choose this as a low caloric, very simple instinct to always have. Because I can't do the math. Same, same. Like, like, like. I'd rather. My God. I'd like, rather like to, just live. To be a liar 
How many how many balls juggling in all the time? I can't handle it. I can't. I can't even think about it. And also, it means you have vulnerabilities. And I am deeply, deeply, deeply afraid that somebody is going to find a vulnerability and stab me. And I know that the way to do it, again, lessons that talk radio taught me. Jim Norton. Jim Norton on the Opie and Anthony Show. Jesus Christ. Can I, uh, can I tell you what I know about Jim Norton? Yes. Uh, I, I remember <laughs> John Stossel saying, Jim Norton, what do you think about telling the truth? And Jim Norton blurts out, I sucked a dick in a <laughs> fucking public pool. Why? Because it felt good. Uh, the hottest thing on the planet to me is a woman pissing in some diapers on my face and it's like i was like why would you say that and then i thought to myself the world has nothing on him now and, and, and he on the opie and anthony show said exactly that he's like uh, uh he made jokes about how in his youth him and his the, the kids on his block uh would call monster rain, and that means that they would run under the uh, stairwell and suck each other's dicks. <clears throat> like he read, he went to. He's sober now, but he was uh, a, a drinker as a teen, and wound up going to a uh, some kind of state facility, and was reading the poetry that he was writing as you know, a fucking 18-year-old who was drinking to the point of becoming a danger to himself. Like, and this was humiliating. Humiliating shit. Uh, listening to him, I was like, solidified a thing that I kind of always knew, which is, there's only one way to live, especially if you're somebody who wants to be a public person. And I've always wanted to be a public person. And that is all the way out. And so it's like, I talked about all the embarrassing shit that I did as a kid, jerking off next to my friends. If people want to hear this story, they have to go to Amazon.com <laughs> and pay money to get it. Yeah, I mean, and this is like, I never, ever, ever want there to be a thing that people know about me that the rest of the public doesn't know. I want to devalue all that. I want to be blackmail proof. Like, so why, why is it? And I'm realizing that I think, I think that part of the attraction between you and me has always been biceps <laughs> and sweet pecs <laughs> and our ability to do pushups. Yeah. Outside of that, uh -huh. uh, I, I I think it's been uh, a little bit of an infatuation with honesty. Yeah, like like hundred percent. I I I think you and I both on on a internally have have been fascinated with like what if you were just honest all the time? Yeah, and I think we also see in the world around us. Seems like a lot of people don't want to be honest all the time. And I think that 
from day one, 15 years ago, we were like, that person seems like a person who wants to be honest all the time. I will say our friendship was among the most immediate. I, I did not have until, and I have not had since, a friendship that started as immediate as me and you since, like, school. And school kind of doesn't count because everyone's brains are running in the, online. These the are the first bin. times yeah. that you're realizing, like, you have an immediate friendship with somebody in middle school, and sometimes they're the best man at your wedding, and sometimes you fucking barely remember their first name, right? Right. Uh, but for you and I, we became quick friends via email, and then the first time we hung out, we were like immediately best friends. Like, like it was within seconds. Like, and, and even then we were coming in from a little bit of a weird, like subject reporter kind of dynamic. It was the uh, internet. So who, it wasn't like a, who's a, the power player. Who's the one you're seeking. You're at yeah. a, a very high station. You were, you were, uh, uh, doing a show at Halloween Horror Nights. Like, that's that's a big thing, especially for a Florida kid. I very much respected and understood that. But immediately, we were like, the way I remember it, we were fucking boys, like, from the jump. Uh, uh, and, and we were joking about it earlier today when we were recording, mostly because... Obviously, the, the show is changing, and and uh, uh, we're we're thinking about well, what do we want it to be? Like, what is the the direction we want to take it? Because we respect this audience, we respect that we want to put time and effort into into thinking about it. And the thing that we came back to was that night. I was like, you know, it's funny because Bonnie and Josie were on campus today, but I was like. I want to have so much fun that the same thing that happened that night happens, which was yeah. back then. <laughs> you you wanted to annoy Bonnie, Bonnie just enough. Because yeah. we were laughing too loud. <laughs> like, because that's what happened that night. That night, uh, uh, Bonnie and an infant Josie uh, came out of the room. And that's the first time I met Bonnie. And the first time I met Josie, I guess, uh, uh, was them coming out of of the room and being like hey you guys are fucking laughing too hard uh but that was that was that there was just a fucking instantaneous element of oh this just works like we're just fucking like boys it's just on well and the the part that surprises me is just how long it's lasted under Unbelievable strain, uh, 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 professional strain, geographical strain, financial strain, you know. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Here's what I know. When it's going to end. Do you want to know when it's going to end? Right now? No. I know the date of my mind. I know. Because it doesn't fucking exist. <laughs> We're going to keep doing it 
Forever. Yeah. Forever. You know what? Forever. Forever. You know what, Justin? The only person who does know when it's going to end. Yeah. And we're pointing in the air. We're pointing in the air. I guess we're doing this on video, right? Yeah, so we're doing it on video. It, people can see it. I think I'm gonna put this on the YouTube. No, <laughs> no, we have to save it. We have to save it. All right, uh, all right. guys, thank uh, you so much. Thank you, thank you, uh, thank you so much. Uh, uh, we 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 greatly appreciate you. And uh, uh, honestly, when we talk about our friendship, it is inextricable from the audience that has watched it develop that has watched us do this that cares to stay around for each and every version of this show from bb live show to nsfw show to night attack to great night and uh, uh this whatever is next of, of, of great night is i gotta say if you have ever said in your life as a fan of this show I miss the old Brad Brian Jerbs. Why don't you go back to the old shit, the good shit, the pure shit, the shit that was just what it was when you felt that there was a raw connection. If you ever thought that that was the version of the show that you wanted, good news, motherfuckers. 105.9. The Cap. We're back in stock. Until next time. Making gay in the morning, cooking the race of spashers. Oh, fucking stop. Fuck you. Fuck you. Play Vicario. Play Vicario. All right, fine. I was trying to do I forgot it's You're not supposed to draw attention to it. No, it's fine. Okay, Weaver's there. Okay, look. Uh hello and welcome to that presentation of Ryan and Justin trashed on a Saturday afternoon. Fantastic. Trying to figure out what the future holds for them. Uh yeah, you made the wise decision of not being there for most of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the secret thing we weren't supposed to say. No, no. I mean, it was it was it was a bank show, right? Uh, uh, yeah, no. We we were definitely sloppy. Uh, this has actually been pretty fun because I'm I'm uh, uh, what uh, one beer in pretty relatively together sure uh justin was very exhausted when he called in nice. <laughs> and very proud of of our show uh meanwhile the bulk of the recorded program was me emotionally drained <laughs> 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 and clearly exhausted uh while justin was able to maintain his composure uh, a little bit better but uh what i was thinking we would do is um 
the after show, maybe as a treat, what we could do is we can uh, uh, play a little bit of the opening of World's Greatest Con Season 4, which will be two episodes. It's going to be a short one, two episodes, and then a Q&A. We'd like to continue the conversation, but uh, I was not prepared. Like, Justin is normally infamous about uh, refusing to let me say or do anything about about the show until it's time. Uh, boy, did he hustle on this one. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, boy, have I never seen Teller use an expletive and all caps to express how much he likes a thing. It's quite good. And so here's the game. I think I'm going to release all of this for simplicity on my end because <laughs> I'm figuring stuff Much out. Easier to do. But maybe we'll release the entire chunk and uh, including this part. And in trade, I I really would encourage people to become a patron over at patreon.com slash greatest con. Um, very, very proud of this one. It's a bit of an odd one. Uh, you know what? It's just odd. Um, Teller likes it, and I guess that's all you need to know. <laughs> uh, but meanwhile, thank you to everybody who listened to us try to bank episodes. Uh, and we were just slurring the entire time. And, uh, I, I think over my shoulder you could see that it's already nighttime. <laughs> so we had clearly been day drinking all day. Uh, uh, after we listen to this little bit, we're going to um, figure out how to post the show. Uh, love you. Beautiful, beautiful Diamond Club. Shine on, you crazy diamonds. Special treat. Here is a teaser of the reason that you should go to patreon.com slash greatest con. And uh, if, if for nobody else, do it for me. Uh, honor the fact that um, Justin Robert Young has, he'll deny it, but created such a wonderful thing. Here we go. This is World's Greatest Con. I'm Brian Brushwood. So let's talk about some of the weird things humans will do to establish and protect a legacy. We've recorded all of these episodes from a constantly evolving seven and a half acre production facility that I bought just over five years ago in a completely dilapidated state. Probably not the smartest strategy, but I bought the property first and I just kept walking in circles asking it, what do you want to be? This broken down yoga martial arts studio that has its own AC unit. It could be a podcast studio with multiple sets, a place to transmit live to the world. That field over there, why is it there a 2,000 square foot soundstage with modular pieces so that we could shoot YouTube videos. We can make it into a black box theater. We could have total control of the environment and we could live stream everything. But all of that, that's the front. That's where traffic makes noise. That's where simple, hard edged buildings are. 
There's a weird soaking pool from back in the days when this used to be a nudist colony. Once you cross that equator, things get different because you begin to walk down. And I have the thought, this is the barrier from the profane into the sacred. You walk down 150 feet and all of the traffic noise goes away. There's a beautiful pond, sometimes full, sometimes not. But what if it could be full all the time? What if it could be an ecological preserve? On my way back, I noticed that there are several areas, little pockets that could be filled with anything. Let's say a tiny home that happens to look like a hobbit hole. And then I start to have more magical thoughts. I see a berm that we could build a watchtower so that we could see the stars, watch sunsets. Some of these dreams have happened. We have a functioning production studio. That's where we're recording this right now. Other parts are going to take years, if not decades, to complete. But by God, by the time I die, I want this seven acres to be nothing less than magic. That's my vision. That's going to be my legacy. And that's why I understand the power and the heartbreak of this single moment. Walt Disney World is a tribute to the philosophy and the life of Walter Elias Disney and to the talents, the dedication, and the loyalty of the entire Disney organization that made Walt Disney's dream come true. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place. The first heartbreak of this moment, I think you already know. It's Roy opening the park and not Walt, because Walt's been long dead. Probably doesn't help that Roy's gonna die two months later. But the second part is the real heartbreak. And it's the one I hope you feel as much as I feel by the time we reach the end of this story. Because this park that's opening, it's not only not what Walt wanted, it is in just about every way a perversion of his last great idea. Because what we have is by all available metrics, the greatest theme park on planet Earth. But what Walt wanted was the world's greatest city. A city that could heal all of Western society. And to get there, he needed control. He needed control of the land. He needed control from the government. And he needed control of the people. And we're still to this day wrestling with some very weird questions. Why did a roller coaster park have the legal authority to deal with enriched uranium? Why are there citizens who live and pay taxes and yet do not have the right to vote? Why is this bizarre city-state granted its own police department, its own fire department, its own medical examiner and coroner, who, by the way, with a straight face to this day, proclaims that not one person has ever died 
in a Disney park. A land the size of two Manhattans that forever has been able to do whatever it pleases, and it's in writing from the government. Legacy. The drive for a legacy is so powerful that a simple cartoonist can become the emperor of a nation state in America. And to get there, every underhanded technique you can think of gets used from false identities to shell corporations to outright lies and deceptions. It's a victory so complete that when signed into law, the governor himself jokes, you forgot a clause for your crown. The guy who earned that crown doesn't live to ever see it. Cons don't fool us because we're stupid. They fool us because we're human. And Walt Disney's quest for Epcot, for my money, just might be. The world's greatest con. This episode of World's Greatest Con brought to you by our store. Look, if we're pulling any kind of con, it's the fact that ad revenues are not very much. What really keeps us afloat, what really keeps the cons flowing is your trust in us to deliver excellent holiday gifts. And this is the time of year to jump in. We've got the brand new Vox Tempest Puzzle Box, our best puzzle box yet, that leads you on a year-long journey through time and space. We've got crazy lock-picking pens. We've got lighters that shoot lightning in order to light your cigarettes. We even have a brand new version of a magical ring that not only gives you the ability to perform 23 magic tricks, but also has a secret shim that will let you escape from police-issued handcuffs. Bottle openers, secret watches that actually light fires, multi-tools, and so much more. Look, you guys know you want to buy something clever and thoughtful here at the holiday season. Do us a favor. Please keep us in business. We have a huge sale going on. Head on over to scamstuff.com. That's S-C-A-M-S-T-U-F-F.com. It's gear for the modern rogue. One of my favorite moments of the last summer was taking my 19-year-old daughter to the Disney Family Museum in San Francisco. Now keep in mind, this is not the Disney Company Museum. It's the Disney Family Museum, which means you get to hear a story of Disney that most of you have never heard before because it's honest. As you go through exhibit after exhibit, boy, is there a lot of failure in the beginning. Walt starts off doing scrappy gigs, advertisements. The first time he created a popular character, Oswald the Rabbit, it was stolen from him based on a technicality in a contract and he had to start all over again. And as he built his animation studio, Walt kept on doubling down, always flirting with absolute bankruptcy. There's a whole exhibit set in 1941, the moment when all of Walt's own animators walked out on him. A deep betrayal that he directly blamed 
on communism. I believe at that time that Mr. Sorrell was a communist because of all the things that I had heard and and had seen uh, his name appearing on many of the commie front things. And when he pulled the strike, the first people to put me, to smear me and put me on the unfair list were all of the commie front organizations. One that's clear in my mind is the League of Women Voters, the People's World, the Daily Worker, and uh, the PM Magazine in New York. They smeared me. Nobody came near to find out what the true facts of the thing were. And I even went into... uh... He just wants full control. Even Disneyland was a series of compromises that drove him nuts. He thought he was buying enough land to do whatever he wants, but he kept having to make changes. And then once the park launched, he was destroyed by the fact that all these hangers-on made everything so gross. Inside the park was the magic that Walt wanted. But outside the park, that was the land of cheap hotels, knockoff parks, people suspiciously close to infringing on his trademarks. He wanted control. And so he envisions the force that will motivate him for the rest of his life, Epcot, the experimental prototype city of tomorrow. A gorgeous dream come true. Picture Star Trek alive and well in the mid-60s. All he needed was the land and the autonomy and the authority to bring that Disney magic to entire city planning. So here's the game we're gonna play. Walt Disney spent the rest of his life making this second park perfect. As we go through all of this, ask yourself, did he do it for personal reasons? Did he do it to finally get that control? Or was it a religious calling? Was he so enraged by the thought of communists claiming the crown of ideological superiority that he wanted only to showcase the best and the brightest of a free capitalist society. And so begins his pitch. Not just for a second park, but for a city to transform the world. But Walt needs his company. He needs his board members. He needs his executives. And most importantly, he needs his brother Roy Disney to be on his team. If he wants to sell the city of tomorrow, he needs to push for something he knows everybody else wants. Walt's playing a different game from everyone else. Take a moment, lean back. Imagine just sitting in that boardroom. Cigar smoke is everywhere. Walt gets up, paces around the room. Maybe he grabs the back of each chair surrounding him, making sure to make it clear that he's the one in charge and he has a vision that everybody needs to cling to. Just to clarify, Most of us grew up with a bunch of these terms meaning one thing, but that's not what they were thought of in the beginning. For example, Disney World 
was not the collection of theme parks. It was the entire massive amount of land, the city-state that we're talking about. When we talk about Epcot, we're not talking about the theme park we know. We're talking about Walt's vision of the city of tomorrow, an actual functioning metropolis. And whenever we say Disneyland East, Disneyland East, for all intents and purposes, is the Magic Kingdom. He agrees with the team. Uh, yes, a new park. Sound idea. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's simple. Imagine Disneyland with 1,000 times as much space. And imagine we were able to push literally anything interesting all the way into an ocean. What would it be like if we were the only game in town? What if Disney tried something a little bit different? Uh, maybe, dare I say, a revolutionary. This meeting would be the first time Walt would tell anyone about the concept of Epcot. Walt wants to build Epcot right next to Disneyland East. And it is so much bigger. When he wants it to be the city of the future, he means it when you see it on the map. The idea came partially out of concepts he'd seen at the World's Fair in 1939. A bunch of things that had stuck in Walt's head for decades. Thoughts that would only grow in intensity as he gets older. It would combine modernism and futurism and a love of ever-evolving technology. It would be unlike any city that ever existed or that likely ever would exist again. A place where nobody owned land, one where Disney's company held a certain level of control over every single denizen. Notice I said denizen and not citizen because citizens get to vote. It would have a glorious monorail coming in and out of town, bringing visitors to the welcome center. Tours would take people around factories and warehouses and laboratories. The center of the city would be covered by a huge enclosed dome. The entire community spinning outwards from there. Think Burning Man, but not covered in mud and drugs. Nobody who lived there would own a car because why would you even need to leave? Civilians would live in high-density apartments. So they could, you know, work at one of the Disney-owned shops, hotels, or theme parks, or convention centers. Oh, and there would be no such thing as retirement, because why would you ever want to stop working there? If this sounds a bit like a commune, it's because it's a commune, which is very strange given the fact that Disney hated communists. He was pretty direct about his open suspicion that Hollywood was overrun with them. He testified before the House Un-American Activities Committees in 1947, only the fourth producer to do so. He said he was aware of communist activity at his studio, which was directly tied to, you guessed it, the time his cartoonists went on strike in 1941. His studio was the last holdout of animators working without a union. But led by the guy who created Goofy, his workers fought for their rights. Now to Walt, this was about as un-American as anything could be. Clearly, this was the work of those commie bastards. After all, after five weeks of being on strike, the artists, they won. Maybe when he testified, Walt was looking for just one last act of revenge. 
Or maybe deep down, he really believed that outside forces had corrupted his animators. Either way, he had had enough of organized labor to last a lifetime. Maybe his vision of Epcot was a way for him to ensure that his workers would never need to strike. Maybe in his mind, Disney knew he was going to provide everything they would need to be happy, healthy, living American lives. And in return, every citizen, denizen, would work for the man himself. I, I mean, at least until they died. Again, no retirement in Epcot. Either way, you got to admit, it's weird seeing Walt Disney, one of the first men in Hollywood to speak out against communism during the age of McCarthyism, was now dreaming of a utopian society that also served funnel cakes. But when you look at that map, Epcot is king, so much bigger than Disneyland East. It was the beating heart, the thing that would make the entire concept worth pitching, worth doing, worth creating. Will always be a showcase to the world for the ingenuity and imagination of American free enterprise. I don't believe there's a challenge anywhere in the world that's more important to people everywhere than finding solutions to the problems of our cities. But where do we begin? How do we start answering this great challenge? Well, we're convinced we must start with the public need. Walt senses things changing. Suburban flight is beginning to hurt the American city Walt so loves. And he knows that the world needs his project more than ever. A place where the Disney company could kickstart American innovation and bring about a second industrial revolution. I mean, it wouldn't be a stretch to call Walt a patriot. A capital T, capital C, true citizen of these United States of America. The whole board claps. Walt leans back, lights another cigarette. The cash was right there for Walt to buy his space, but not without some good negotiations. At this point, Disney is way past the golden age of animation. 1950s, it'd see the brand expand to television and action productions. And they'd been good about holding onto that cash. But as the 60s started, Things were looking a little more dire than usual. These days, Sleeping Beauty is thought of as the company's masterpiece. One of the most beautiful animated films ever made. But it did cost $6 million of 1959 money. That's three times as much as Cinderella just a decade prior. And it didn't even make it back at the box office run. A loss of nearly a million dollars was not helping Roy with this Epcot, whatever it is. Disney's doing all right on the money department, lots of cash flow, but margins are thin. They don't have the kind of cash reserves it takes to just buy anybody out. Walt and Roy both recognized that yes, Disneyland was an institution, but if they go buying up a bunch of land Walt wants, any landowner with half a brain would see that Mickey Mouse logo and suddenly double, triple, quadruple their price. 
This is the first official meeting for what they would call Project Winter. The latest big vision initiative at Disney. And it is not to leave this office. This is the birth of their con. The first mark, the landowners themselves. We all know they're going to raise their price if they know what's going on, so you keep that a secret. They must buy the land without those real estate dummies figuring out what's going on. The second mark, the politicians. Disney's about to make the ask of all asks, so timing is crucial. The third mark, the press. They find out what's going on, they will tell the other two marks. Roy does the math and figures out they have enough for what Walt wants, but only if they can avoid all three marks. If one of them finds out all of this is over, there's no Epcot, there's no Disneyland East, there's no Disney World. Part of the focus on the East Coast is primarily because Disneyland only drew in 2% of its visitors from the other side of the country. Disney needed to find a way to build a second moneymaker on the opposite side of the U.S. in order to maximize the returns. Events like the 1964 World's Fair in New York, of which Disney was a huge part thanks to the partnership with Pepsi for It's a Small World, that was clear evidence that there was an appetite on the East Coast. Walt just needed to figure out where. Now, most of the coast wasn't an option. Walt was certain that competing with the ocean for attention was one sure way to screw up the whole plan. So cities up in the Atlantic were a no-go. Niagara Falls, both on the U.S. side and the Canadian side, was considered despite the obvious draw of the falls themselves, but the seasonal cold weather stopped that idea dead in its tracks. Seems obvious now, but Walt's biggest fear in 1963 wasn't those brutal Western New York winters. It was the seasonal carnies. He was afraid these roustabouts coming and going every year would damage his brand. Of the 13 cities written on a list in Disney's offices, St. Louis came closest to being the final destination. Makes sense, it's centrally located, temperate weather, in fact, the company was just hours away from committing to a deal with the negotiators when a local business tycoon offended Walt's ego by claiming no theme park could be a success in Anheuser-Busch's St. Louis without serving beer or liquor. And that was a no-go for Disney. Walt and his party left early the next morning. Even the bank's best solicitors went unanswered. So the winner, as you know, was Orlando. Finally, this is where Walt was going to plant his flag. And there are good reasons for it. First, Walt's family is nearby. His parents were biased to the world. They met in the small town of Holy shit! Oh, Whoa, what a surprise! What happens next? Wow, man. I mean, there's only one way to find out where, Brad. Oh, where was that? Well, I mean, you, 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 you subscribe to. I actually, I did. Okay, I was about to say you, you look up in your podcatcher of choice. You look up world's greatest, greatest pod. pod. 
if you want it. Now, in that case, you only get the latter half of this episode. However, if you are a Patreon, you get the entire thing, uh, and, and you get to ask questions in advance that we're going to address on the third uh, episode. Oh, oh man, I, 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 I just feel like that's a, that's a good story. Yeah. How, how weird. How weird. I have a little bit of a connection with this story, so... Uh, 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 you know what? Uh, let's find out. Uh, uh, wait, oh, that was too loud. Everyone was upset. Sorry, you know what? everyone. Uh, yeah, that's your fault for yep. not already listening to the released episodes of yep. one and two. That's right. Uh, okay, uh, I guess at this point, we're going to wrap things up, yeah. and uh, Brett and I are going to figure out how to post things yep. correctly. Um, <laughs> this is a very good season of World's Greatest Con, uh, and uh, and and hopefully everybody understands. Uh, everybody who thinks they solved the crime of like, oh, were they intoxicated in this episode? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, congrats. Yep, you did it, Columbo. Um, just one more thing. Yeah. Right. Um, Were you a little inebriated? You know, because I'm a. Sometimes uh, my wife she likes to give me a little bit of sherry, but uh, uh, were you a little bit? Yeah, I, it, it was funny because, like, on that day, we still did not know what was happening with Bryce, uh, but we knew we had to bank episodes, no matter what, and so we. Uh, you know, we recorded the first one, which I, I the Captain Morgan one uh, uh, slash Beatles one that we thought was so funny. I put it on the Modern Road Channel immediately, <laughs> and then and then we just went to we just went to our favorite sports bar and drank, and then we came back and we banked two more, and boy, could you tell <laughs> uh, we had done exactly the things I just said. Um, uh, however, having said all of that. Uh, the most important part is um, hopefully what came through was our, uh, I don't know, our gratitude for the community, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, our, our appreciation for everybody who's been here for so very, very long and our commitment to continuing to create excellent stuff, which I hope you guys got a taste of with uh, the World's Greatest Con episode one of season four um uh the whole season uh, absent the q a that i'm certain we're gonna have to do uh is is available right now if you're a patreon or a, a patron we never really we're good at explaining that uh but uh but most importantly uh, uh tell your friends all of you guys are going to be on road trips um hopefully most of you know that each season is a, is, is a pretty good self-contained story. So uh, may, maybe spread the word on that. And I guess I'll, I'll end, end the stream and the recording. Sure. And we'll, uh, Brett and I are trying to learn how to run the board we'll and remix it. and sure. all of that stuff. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just end the recordings. We've got the we've got the board down. I think we got the board figured out. We've got the live thing done. Now we have to figure out the editing part. Um 
I have a plan. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, oh wait. Uh, here we go. Uh, uh, listen. Uh, we love you guys. I'm trying to figure out some music to wrap things up, and we have this one. Here we go. Don't blow their 25,000 acres. Nope, wrong one. He <laughs> <laughs> just got a wicked uh, surprise. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, let me back this up, and we're going to wrap up now. Uh, uh, uh. Maybe we just do this whole one as just one big episode. Just, just, just so... I don't know how good the beginning is. We'll see. Shine on you crazy diamonds. Woo!